Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Kevin Bland, and I'm a shareholder in our Orange County office here in California. I'm here with Karen Tynan, chair of our West Coast OSHA practice group and a shareholder in our Sacramento office. So, Karen, you ready to talk about workplace violence today? Yes, Kevin, um, let's go and kind of dig in on where we are at various drafts and what's going on in California. Why don't you give us an idea of where the draft is and kind of the historical perspective on it, because there's been a lot in the news about workplace violence and how does that dovetail into this potential regulation? Sure, thanks, Kevin. During COVID, this draft regulation, Cal OSHA Title VIII, Section 3343, really slow rolled. Would you agree, Kevin? It just sat there on the back burner. Absolutely. It was a priority that was not prioritized. <laughs> I like that. So, so actually, last year, May of 2022, we had a revised draft from a previous version that was October 2018. So, <laughs> So uh, you're talking about three and a half years between drafts. And so to say it hasn't been a priority really is an understatement. But with this draft of Section 3343 and some maybe I'd call them high profile workplace violence incidents, we, we feel like this regulation in its draft form has moved to the front burner and we're not quite sure when this draft section will come back before the standards board. They'll have to give 45-day notice, right, Kevin? Yes, correct. Yeah, they'll do the notice and comment. I My prediction is we'll probably see the 45-day clock for notice and comment start very end of this year or maybe the first of 2024, first quarter of 2024. So while that's happening, we've had a parallel process of Senate Bill 553. That bill, while it is about the labor code and the code of civil procedure, it is not a Title VIII regulation. It, it does address workplace safety and would, if passed, require Cal OSHA to draft particular regulations. Is that right, Kevin? That is correct. It's still in... in uh draft form uh, over at the Senate. And we will have blog posts tracking those bills like we do every workplace safety bill. So that's where we are and a little bit about how we got here, Kevin. Sir, part of the, the draft uh, regulation, and, and and I just, I want to kind of say, why are we talking about something that isn't law yet? Because this is coming and it's coming like a train. And if you're, it's going to apply to all workplaces in California, right, Karen? So everything except healthcare, yeah. and so this needs to be on everybody's radar because when when this regulation is adopted, and Kevin and I think that maybe with a few tweaks it'll be adopted, but it's going to be adopted. 
My crystal ball says absolutely. <laughs> and and probably not too far off of the form in which the draft is. So that's why I think there's some value in going through some of the, like, what are the plan elements, Karen? I think if people have an idea of the subjects of the, of the plan, the written plan that's going to be required, they can at least get kind of a jump on an idea of what to be planning for. Did I say plan too many times in that sentence? That's okay, anyway, what, what are some of the elements that you think are going to come out in the, the plan of the, that's in the draft? The workplace violence plan that California employers will be required to establish, implement, and maintain will have to have some similar elements to the IIPP, right? So in the plan, the California employer is going to have to name a job title person that will be in charge of implementing the plan. There will have to be... Um, training, uh, methods of implementation, procedures uh, about reports of workplace violence, procedures for complying with the plan, procedures for how communications are going to happen with employees related to workplace violence, how reporting will happen if an employee, for example, reports a threat in the workplace. The plan also will have to have the the types of responses, the procedures for responding to workplace violence that could also include evacuation plans, things like that. So it's a very robust requirement, Kevin. I I think you'll agree that it's not going to be like a two-page cut-and-paste job that someone finds on the internet. Right, absolutely not. And Another uh, element of, of this plan, too, which is, separates itself a little bit from IIPP, is it actually requires the employer to work directly with the affected employees, actually involve them right, in the process. Out. Yes, and so that's going to be something I think would be a little bit new to folks that aren't in healthcare, because that was in the healthcare standard as well in the development of this plan. So. I know there's going to be a lot of uh, record keeping, but before we go to that, I, w- I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about folks often think of workplace violence as employee on employee. There's like four types of violence that you're going to have to be recognizing and identifying and reporting. Some of them you don't even think about. Do you want to throw out the four types of workplace violence? Kevin, the regulation, it, it lays out four types of violence in the plan, and those types are used in implementing the plan and the structure of the plan for what employers are required to do. So type one violence is workplace violence committed by a person who has no legitimate business at the work site, and that includes violent acts by anyone who Uh, enters the workplace with the intent to commit a crime. I think we see those kind where the disgruntled, angry ex-boyfriend shows up at the workplace. Yeah, we see that, and that kind of folds into type four also. If you have, Karen, like if you're Mm -hmm. thinking of a retail store, right, right, and someone comes in to rob, the place yes. we've seen that that's that's going to be your type one those are things that we that we think about but here and you're thinking how do i control that but now they're wanting us to make sure we have identified that and address that in the plan some places it's common like if they'll say you're a cash 
store right, the or late something. night yeah. bodega. Yeah. Those, and, and the way this regulation calls it out, it's almost as if employers should be anticipating and expecting a crime. Right. Where you think of a crime as being something more random. But type one, where someone comes to commit a crime, uh, commit a violent act, is, is one type. And then two, three, and four, so type two is workplace violent directed at employees by customers, clients, patients, students, inmates, or visitors. I think we've seen that in um, retail establishments. I, I know if I went on and Googled a particular video site, and I said, you know, retail store customer violence, there'd be a hundred videos just like that, right? Right, exactly. And and the part that's going to be difficult, depending on how the definitions lay out in that, is is it how is it perceived? Is it violent or is it just a customer that's unhappy, right? But they perceive it as violent. So we're going to have to ferret through that as this thing develops. And then type three is workplace violence against an employee by a present or former employee, supervisor, or manager. That's the employee-on-employee employee type of violence that really does make the headlines. Right. And, and to me, that one, Karen, uh, is something you have a little bit more control because at least you have, you have some control over your employees. You're on both ends of it. On some of the other ones, you only can control half the equation. And right. so it makes it very difficult. No, um, I agree. And and I did kind of overlap on type four, but that's where someone comes to the workplace. They don't work there, but they have had a personal relationship with an employee. And so I, I think a, a takeaway for California employers is that they have to anticipate, identify these hazards that are in some very different categories. No, abs- absolutely, which kind of leads into the recording and the log that is, is maintained. Can you kind of explain a little bit about what uh, type of log that has to be kept and the elements of that, and then maybe some of the record keeping that goes along with that? Sure. So, Kevin, with our healthcare clients, they, they fall under the healthcare workplace violence regulation, right? And so they're used to keeping a log of incidents. So this violent incident log is a requirement for California employers to record every workplace violence incident. And it has to contain particular information and it has to be reviewed during the periodic reviews of your workplace violence plan so so there's there's no templates out there yet but let's talk a little bit about some of the information that would be in the log so certainly the date and time of any incidents the type of incidents descriptions of the incident Um, i think this is going to require at times some investigation by either your your safety professional or your hr professional Also included are consequences of the incident, including whether security or law enforcement had to be involved in the incident, and also the actions taken to protect employees from a continuing threat or from other hazards identified as a result of the incident, and information about the person completing the log so that you can tell 
uh, who's responsible for the log. And what we see in investigations, and, and you've seen this, Kevin, we've talked about it, uh, one of the first things on that document request will be the violent incident log, right? A- absolutely. And, and I think the part that I think is going to be difficult for employers here, it's just an incident. Well, it doesn't mean that it necessarily rose to the level where someone was hurt, someone mm-hmm. was injured. We're used to that in, in Kalosha. Right. Is it recordable or reportable? Was it beyond first aid? This is, this is now dealing with the incident based on the type. And I hate to use the term, but was it something that that particular employee may have felt threatened by? Is it a subject? And this is yet to be answered, but it appears based on the Senate bill and what may be driving this is it could be somewhat subjective. And that's going to be difficult for employers. Well, that's to unusual yeah. for a Cal OSHA regulation mm-hmm. to have that kind of subjectivity because typically we see parts per million. Yeah. Or if you're above this height, you're in fall protection. Right. Or a reasonable person standard. This right. is more individualized that that person feel threatened. Yes. And I, I think that is going to create some unique uh, opportunities for California employers, depending on their workplace culture, their workplace activities, to make sure that their workplace violence prevention plan considers those nuances. Right. And I think that is a perfect segue into the next question I want to ask you Uh-oh. about, <laughs> which is training. Because I think part of this is going to dive into training and how you've trained employees on these things. So, what kind of requirements are there for training under this reg, at least as proposed now into the draft? Well, Kevin, of course, the training has to be effective, right? We see that <laughs> word a lot, and we see citations related to training on other subjects. And so, the threshold is that the training has to be effective and appropriate in content and vocabulary to the education level, the literacy language skills of the employees. So it may require that employers have uh, this training in multiple languages. I think we'd see that in some manufacturing, maybe in some construction. You agree, you're nodding, Kevin, yeah? Yes, yeah, I think so. You know, on that training point too, as we've heard, this is kind of, Something a lot of folks have been doing now is active shooter training. This goes beyond that, doesn't it? Yes. And and this also isn't just a very high-level awareness training, but it is truly training about the employer's plan, right? The, the depth of the processes, giving employees the opportunity to obtain a copy of the plan and also the employees have to be trained on the plan development and implementation and additionally there is training where employers have had a workplace violence incident in the last five years have to provide some additional um, training so i think the training piece which is also for new employees and on a, a, I would say, an annual basis, it really is substantial. I would envision it being along the lines of the sexual harassment training you see in the workplace, like a solid hour. There's yeah. no minimum time frame, but if you look at the subjects that need to be covered and you look at the 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 breadth and the depth i i'm thinking that this is more substantial 
with these training requirements, what are you thinking for frequency, anything around that? What are you thinking some of the best practices will be? Well, I think it's going to be more of a moving target than folks think it is because you have to train as you learn, so to speak, right? Because uh, it calls for periodic reviews of your program. It yes. also talks about training if you've had an incident within five years. And I think the chances based on such a broad definition of incident, oh. you're going to have incidents mm-hmm. that get logged more frequently than you would expect. And so when you could corrective actions, you know, like um, this is going to sound sort but maybe someone throws a pencil at someone and you didn't have that addressed and the person felt right. threatened. You're going to have to make sure that the folks are trained on what do you do now when people throw pencils or stop them from throwing pencils. That's kind of an absurd example, but it illustrates. So I think they're going to have a lot more training and it's going to be more uh, frequent and more in-depth and you're not going to get away with just initial training. Right. That, that's what I think, too. And then as we finish up this podcast, I, I did want to touch on record keeping really briefly, Kevin. Sure. Because I do think that the HR professionals and safety people have to think about another aspect of record keeping for employees. So there will need to be record keeping of workplace hazard identification, evaluation, and correction. This is similar to the IIPP, right? You'll need to uh, maintain those training records. And just like you do every other kind of training record, you've got your violent incident logs that have to be maintained for a minimum of five years. You've got records of workplace violence incident investigations shall be maintained for five years. And then any other records that are part of this regulation are required to be maintained. So there is a substantial record-keeping aspect of the draft of this regulation. And so having that on the radar for Section 3343, Workplace Violence Prevention, the, the May 2022 draft, I think I think it's a, a good idea for for people to know that this is coming. No, absolutely. I'm going to add one more thing to uh, your host of record keeping things. Another interesting addition on this particular draft is a requirement to have these records made available not only to Calosha but to the employees and the representatives upon request. Good point. Good point. And you have to give them to them within 15 calendar days if they do make that request. So I think that's. Uh, um, it's kind of a similar to the exposure record yes. uh, requirement that we see in 3204, I think it is. So, but anyway, Karen, thank you so much for. Well, thank you, Kevin. We appreciate you listening to both of us uh, on this podcast and look for our blog articles on ogletree.com. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.